Welcome back to the Relentless Podcast, the Relentless College Entrepreneur Podcast. Today, I have a guest, Ken Van Lu, and today, our topic of discussion is going to be real estate. So Ken has started his career with various internships, when uh, then landing a full-time job as a construction claims consultant, then working his way up to, to the top, starting multiple companies. He is now running global real, real estate strategies as a founder and CEO. Ken is also involved in advanced capital funding, holding the position as a chairman. Ken is also the author of Modern Wealth Building Formula. I'll, the link of his book will be in the description, should, so check that out in the podcast. So starting off, Ken, uh, can you give a brief description to the audience about yourself? Absolutely. You know, I am 59 years old. I've been married for 34, same woman for 38 years. We have three awesome children. So I, you know, pride myself as being a great dad and, you know, student of, of real estate. So, you know, I uh, became a civil engineer. I wasn't the sharpest guy in the shed. So I created the six-year college plan. And then I graduated with civil engineering and, you know, I became a New York City skyscraper expert, built $1.3 billion worth of projects in New York City in the toughest market in the world. And that just, you know, led to so many opportunities. And then we had the opportunity to write the book a few years ago, Modern Wealth Building Formula, how to master real estate investing. So right now, my purpose is to, is to bring people to their greatness, pay it forward. You know, for each person that I touch, the goal is to leave them with more power, freedom, self-expression and peace of mind and, you know, take their life to the next level. That tells you a little bit about myself and uh, you know, I've been a magician since I was a kid, so I'm all about trying to bring more money, time, and magic into people's life. <laughs> Love that. Yeah, and I I really do, uh, I like that you're trying to, um, I can tell it's just more about, it's less about money, it's more about that legacy. You're trying to give people and inform them with all this wisdom you've come across and the opportunities and the experiences. I'm diving in to your book. Uh, I just finished a book from a friend of mine that wrote, so that's one of the next books I'm jumping into. Uh, I'm very interested to learn uh, as I'm very interested in real estate, and I know that with your experience and having built $1.3 billion worth of real, real estate that uh, it'll be a big help. And you, like you said in the beginning, that it'll save me a lot of time. So yeah. I'm, I'm curious to what motivates you every day in the morning? Great question. You know, I, I would have to say my three kids, you know, I, I had twins. They're, they're 20, you're going to be 29 in next week, actually. And, you know, one of them is a U.S. intelligence Marine officer, you know, that wakes me up every day just thinking about him serving my country. Mm -hmm. He's an Eagle Scout, just gives it back 100%. His twin sister's married to a doctor. She graduated like number one in her class in culinary and wow. nutrition. My youngest just got engaged. So my kids are a big part of my life. What gets me out of bed in the morning, I love working out. So I do, you know, pre-morning pre or pre-day routine where, you know, I wake up, I have a little get ready time for like a half hour I just kind of think and get ready and then I move for like 50 minutes whether it's running or working out and then I meditate and you know I, I'm really grateful for that morning routine and then that kind of sets my day straight and you know I, I journal so every day I start with gratitude I write down like three things that I'm grateful for and then three things that I want to accomplish today and then three things that would make the day a great day and then I, you know, I measure from that. So that's kind of my, 
my daily routine. And that gets me excited because, you know, at the end of the day, I write down what's happening for tomorrow and then boom, jump up yeah. again. Absolutely. It makes me feel so good about myself. Uh, Cause I've been, I've been diving into reading so much. I've read, I think a total of 35 books so far this year. So I'm reading about almost a book a week and I'm, I'm, all these books are like talking about all this different advice and what I've gotten from it is waking up early. And like you said, I I've literally made my routine to basically what you just said that it just makes me feel good because I'm like, I'm doing the same thing right now. I wake up, I get ready. I have that off time and something that I've been, um, doing a lot more is not looking at my phone in the morning, just waking up. Because when you look at your phone, it's like, it sits your mind in chaos in the beginning of the day. So I keep off my phone, then I go to work out in the morning before I work. And then I come back, shower, meditate. And then uh, before I end my days, I write down and journal. So it makes me feel good that you do the same exact thing. And I know you're very yeah. successful. So um, it's it's like a lot of those books talk about this stuff. And it's like, see, you've already you already implemented it to your life. So that's awesome. Uh, I must ask, what uh where's your son stationed at if he's a marine yeah he just left quantico two weeks ago he's now in camp pendleton san diego california living in actually calls back and he, oh he's actually to be there because he was complaining about the cold winter and saying yeah. san diego because he had been out there on one other you know assignment Gotcha. So my, my dad was a uh, U.S. Marine for six years. He was a sergeant. He currently um, is working at uh, Ascension St. Vincent. He's working for them. But um, he was actually at Camp, uh, Camp Pendleton a while. He actually just left because um, I'm interning here in California. He visited me and he just left like an hour ago. And uh, we went to San Diego over the weekend and we went to Camp Pendleton. We did all this stuff. But it's funny, like small world that your son's at Camp Pendleton. And that's where my dad uh, was stationed at as well. And he uh, loves it there. And we were literally just visiting there two days ago. So definitely a small world. Yeah, love it really that. is. Tell him thank you for serving. And Absolutely. yeah, I love it out there. I can't wait. You know, he, he literally just landed. He, you know, his boxes showed up, I think a week later. So he was unpacking last weekend. I can't wait to come out and visit. So when I come out, if you're still hanging out, we'll connect. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's very, I, I'm definitely, that I've been here a while. I know the good places. I'm sure your son does know as well, but there's a lot of cool places in San Diego. It's the perfect weather. It's like you go an hour and a half out of San Diego and it's super hot, but like San Diego year round, it's just beautiful weather. It's amazing, but it does come at a cost. I know it's really expensive to live there. So um, next question I have for you is what are some solid common characteristics that you see in leaders that you've come across? Well, I, I have to say that number one is integrity. Mm -hmm. Because my philosophy is without integrity, nothing works. So, you know, and I look at it from the aspect above and beyond morality, because if you look at it from the morality aspect, I mean, that's a pretty simple decision. Like you're not going to work with someone that robbed the bank, you know? Yeah. But, you know, you could, you could work with people that are very successful, but they say X and they do Y, right? So, yeah. you know, is not honoring their word with themselves or with someone else, you know, that's something that you want to make sure is in place um, and find that a lot of leaderships are about integrity. Uh, you know, the other thing I would say, um, you know, the traits are, you know, really good leaders allow others to kind of do it their own way. And, you know, top leaders allow 
people to grow and not necessarily tell you how to do it. One of my favorite books was The One Minute Manager, where, you know, if you and I come to an understanding and I say, Hunter, this is the outcome. And I might say, Hunter, you know, you know, I'm not going to tell you how I would do it, but go do this, get to the outcome. I'll check in with you in a week, you know, and if you're tripping, you know, I'll, I'll say something, but, you know, I let you then create the opportunity and then it allows people to grow. And so I noticed that, you know, I used to tell people what to do because I grew up in that environment, you know, managing 600 people, having to tell people what to do, tell people what to do. And then I realized that when you want to get people to grow, it's not the same environment as on a construction site where you're demanding and telling people what to do. You have to ask questions and turn it into an inquiry and enable people to discover from the question on what you're trying to tell them. That yeah. makes sense. Huh. So because because you know, the one thing I learned is I took calculus two, three times and there aren't many, probably there are none of the formulas that I remember today because people were telling me you have to study and learn this formula. The first time I lost five grand because I opened my big mouth in a meeting, <laughs> I learned the lesson. I never opened my mouth again. <laughs> but, you know, you, you learn in funny ways. And, you know, I just give you that as an example. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that's, um, yeah, I, my dad being a, a Marine, he's always taught me integrity, what you do uh, when no one's looking uh, and how well you carry yourself. And like you said, I think that's awesome that, um, you know, you let people grow because that's what I see so much in job after job that I've had. I see that firsthand. It's like, do this task this way, boom, bada being, and it's doing the same thing every single day. And that's when people get burnt out and don't like what they're doing. And yeah. I see like what you just said is like literally an ideal job to me. Let me do what I yeah. can do best in the best productive way I can in producing yep. those results that you still need, but in my way and not telling me this, 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 this needs to be done this specific way. Um, I very much like that. And that's like really an ideal job that I would love to have. So, and I think yeah. a lot of people as well uh, look for that as well. And yeah. um, what is one of the biggest learnings in real estate? Um, it does. I'm sure you have multiple, but what is a big learning that you learned, um, whether it be the hard way or uh, easy way? Yeah, great question. I just wanted to add one thing about what your dad said. Mm -hmm. So the way you do anything is the way you do everything. Yeah. So, like you know, so when people aren't looking, you know, you may do it one way, but you got to do it the right way all the yeah. time. You know, and the next question is great because what I learned is what I call is top-down thinking. So once upon a time, I was standing on top of a 30-story building looking out at Manhattan, trying to figure out how I was going to afford diapers and formula for my twins. You know, I was, you know, yeah, li living the high life of New York City and not making enough money. You know, and what I and my my belief system was wow, I can build for all these big developers, but you have to be born into the family. Yeah. So I started to, you know, as I realized like, hey, I'm the guy standing on top of the building and building this for the big developer. Maybe there's a way that I can get into development. And what I started to believe was, you know, I can, you know, just jump into, the, into real estate at the top and figure it out on my way down. Because, and I call that top-down thinking because, here I'm standing on top of a skyscraper, you know, in Brooklyn, looking out at Manhattan, saying, like, do I really want to go and start looking through the newspaper and bird dogging and 
you know, finding a property and getting my real estate license. Well, I, I went down that path, but I got the license in order to use the MLS in order to find deals so I could capitalize and pay myself, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, I started to think, you know, how do people get started? But I said, how do I use my top-down thinking and descend upon the ascension path at the top, dive into a real estate development that I could pay myself and then figure the rest out kind of thereafter, you know? So I kind of yeah. came in and developed real estate you know, created some residuals, inc residual income, paid myself fees, and then figured out, like, how do you actually go buy residential real estate? How do you buy a house? How do you fix a house? How do you flip a house? So I did it in reverse. And that would probably, I would say, my uh, unorthodox way of learning. Um, yeah, that's that's interesting. Top down. I've heard that somewhere in a, a book of some sort, like, try to get the best job you possibly can. You can learn it later. Um, I think... Yeah, that it's definitely an interesting approach. I think most people don't think of it like that going towards it, that approach, but um, like in your circumstance, it obviously paid off. So um, jumping in at a high level and then working your way down and figuring it out, that's something interesting. I, I, I haven't heard that type of thinking and definitely something interesting. That's why I love having guests on and like all these different mindsets of thinking. And it's like adding these to your life and thinking about it. Uh, it's definitely interesting to hear that perspective. Uh, and then what is, um, oh, what are some tips you have for building relationships in real estate? Um, I know obviously you have a, a big following on LinkedIn and over the years, I'm sure you've picked up on possibly some tips when building relationships in the field. Yeah, absolutely. So that's a very, very important question. So I'm going to tell everybody to raise their ears here. So so creating relationships, you know, in real estate actually are the principles that apply for any type of relationship in the sense that when you want to create a relationship in real estate where someone's going to give you millions of dollars, there's one component that I don't think most people know, and it's called deep emotional rapport. So, you know, you hear all about rapport building and mirror and modeling, you know, I've studying Tony Robbins, you know, they're, you know, they, you know, mirror and model the person mm -hmm. crossing. They, if they have their left leg cross, cross your leg, mirror model, you yeah. know, you can't mirror model. Like the bottom line is when you're having a conversation with someone, you literally want to be listening at a level where you hear something where you can literally transform the conversation in the sense that, um, you know, you got to, you have to have such genuine interest in people and really listen for how you can help them. And that's how you're going to achieve what you want to accomplish. So in any relationship, whether it's real estate or not, you know, I, my first thing is I call it the one third, two third rule. So when you meet someone, if, if you're, if you're talking more than one third of the time, you, you're already striking out at the plate. You know, you, you want to start out by asking questions and finding out about who, what, where, and totally understand that person and let them feel heard mm -hmm. before you say anything about yourself. Because if you do what I just explained and let them be seen, understood, and heard, they're going to ask you, how, how, how can I do business with you before they even know anything about you? And that's when you go, well, hey, you know, I'm studying entrepreneurship. I got a minor, you know, minor in construction management. I'm building. I put together an investment group. You know, my project just hit number one and they're like, you know, what, we, uh, what can I do with you? Right? <laughs> you 
you know, because you have such emotional rapport and all you did was listen. You didn't even say nothing. So yeah. you know, I really want to take that to heart. Just listen at a level, you know, at a, at a very high level for what can transform the conversation. And most times it's going to be about how you can help them. But the, the moral of the story is you want them to be seen, heard and understood. Have you heard of the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People? <laughs> yeah. When I, uh, when I got married at 27, yeah, I got married late. Um, I remember I lived in Cranford and less than a half a mile down Walnut Avenue, there was a hotel, the Quality Inn. And I took the Dale Carnegie course, How to Win Friends and Influence People. And uh, I remember, you know, coming home saying to my wife, like, I got to get up tomorrow and speak in front of people. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, that's been a journey that uh, that I still remember, you know, one of the skill sets that they taught me. It was fun. Yeah, I I, uh, I read his book, uh, Dale Carnegie. What was another uh, man? I think it was Outwitting the devil i believe was another one he no that was napoleon hill i'm getting my people mixed up um, but yeah there's so many good and dale carnegie and it's funny because i found this thing at san diego goodwill it was dale carnegie's book that was put in this plastic it was like a, a paper book and then they put this like uh liquid plastic that dries and so i have this little thing that i love and i'll put on my desk when i get home it was only like two bucks and online they're like 25 so i was able to get a good deal i love dale carnegie uh, and I loved how, like, and it's what I love about the advice from these people that have written books a long time ago, and it's still implemented in today's workforce is like people read and do these things, but don't actually do it. Like when people hear effort, they, a lot of people will be like, eh, I don't want to really do that. It's like Dale Carnegie. I like how you were talking about um, all this stuff that he was talking about is just listening. It's like, it's so simple. When you ask people questions, they end up liking you more than if you were just talking most of the time. It's like, you don't, they don't even maybe even know you because you haven't said anything, but they really like you because you ask questions. I, I really like how you, uh, you, you implement that in your life and they shows a lot. I think that's a really good tip. Absolutely. Uh, what advice would you give to someone who's starting their own real estate company? Great question. I would say that, you know, you want to mirror and model mentors. So, you know, if you're going to go into real estate, you want to figure out, you know, do I want to start, you know, in residential? Um, do I want to start in commercial? You know, how do I want to, you know, fund the business? You know, I would suggest, you know, someone just getting started that you look at, you know, some type of syndication model where, you know, you could have someone that, that has a common interest that wants to make some money in real estate and you're the boots on the ground and, you know, don't have as much equity, but you're earning your sweat equity and you're mm -hmm. running the show, you know, so, you know, that was the one thing I didn't do. I didn't know that, Hey, it would be really easy if I had someone that had, you know, a couple dollars, you know, I just said, Oh, I'm going to do this development and I'll figure out how to do it. And, you know, I raised money from over 20 people. And all of a sudden, you know, over the years I've learned, you can keep calling those 20 people and work and work, or you can then graduate and find, you know, more of a family office or an institutional investor. So, you know, I guess I would just, you know, really hone in on mentorship, you know, speak to a couple mentors and ask them, like, how did you start your business? 
you know, how did you handle the accounting? How did you handle the planning? How did you find real estate? And just kind of lay out a little plan. Don't let the plan, you know, not having a plan stop you. Mm -hmm. But talk to some people that have done it. Don't try to reinvent the wheel. Keep it simple, you know, and uh, open up the bank account so you got a place ready to receive the money. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. I love that. And like, I've honestly never spoke to someone that, um, has so much experience in the real estate field uh, before this, like, it's definitely an honor to have you on the the podcast. So I, I definitely am, my ears are open and I know the audience ears are open because they have most, not, not, most likely not heard from someone with such good experience and uh, a life that um, in giving experience for basically free, just getting your book. So it's like, I think there's a, there's a big opportunity for me and the audience as well to get a bigger understanding other than this podcast. And it's also through your book, which is modern, modern wealth building formula. So uh, again, reminder, it will be link will be for that book in the description. So check it out. If you're listening Um, another question I have for you is where do you see the real estate industry going in the next 10 years? Yeah. And, and just, um, I'm going to answer that question. And I just want to tell yeah. you what it you is that, you know, in one of the college investor magazines a few months ago, and it might've been a year because time has flown, you know, it was always talking about nine out of 10 millionaires become millionaires through real estate, you know? So I want your listeners to hear that. Yeah. And, that was in one of the college investor magazines that I had read, you know, a couple of years ago. But I also want you guys to know that just recently, besides the modern wealth building formula, I created financial freedom protocol, which is how I did 137 residential deals in one year when I was CEO of Flipping USA in 2016. So, you know, if I'm known as the skyscraper commercial guy, I want you to know that I just packed a punch in a residential program for you guys to all tap into. And to answer your question now about the real estate industry is that I personally believe that the history of real estate will continue. You know, right now we're seeing something new, but we saw something new, you know, three years ago. We saw something new five years ago when, you know, 2008, actually uh, many years ago, 12 years ago. So we're always seeing things new. But the bottom line is through adjustments and, you know, calibrations, real estate consistently goes up in value. And, you know, the, the, my belief is that, you know, we're not going to have a 2008 where most real estate markets crashed. You know, I truly believe that real estate still creates a diversification and, you know, I don't believe it's going to get that bad again, but, you know, we're seeing, you know, certain markets struggle now, retail, commercial, but I do believe truly that everything's going to come back and residential right now is going very, very well. So historically we're going to stay on track. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm just curious, do you, um, especially with how much experience you have, do you think the market is um, pretty high right now, the house market? And do you think it will crash? I'm, I'm just very curious on your take of that. Yeah. Yeah, the, the market is, you know, kind of ridiculous. I mean, I think some of the bidding wars have seized a little bit. Um, I don't think there's going to be any crash. You know, I think what we've seen is, you know, a pretty big adjustment upward in residential that we haven't seen in a very long time. Like, you know, you've had this 6% increase over time and things jumped 20, 30%. So I I would suspect that, you know, they're going to ratchet back, but you'll end up like, say, maybe last year, instead of having a 6% increase, you know, over two years, it'll look at like, maybe like there was a 12% increase on property. So 
you'll see this blip in the curve and then I think it'll, it'll get back on track. But, you know, I think that happened. My, my opinion is that, you know, the whole environment workforce changed, right? Mm -hmm. So now you have companies that have made major decisions, you know, to go hybrid where people can come in a couple of days a week. There's other companies that give you a choice. You can actually work out of your house. It changes like all the statistics nationwide. You don't know like where truly the per capita income's coming from. Yep. You know, so there's been such a shift. What's happened is that people that, you know, lived in an apartment want to step up into a house. People that were in a smaller house want to step up. So it's created a frenzy. And, you know, that's kind of my opinion related to the whole thing. Yeah, absolutely. Because here in California, being um, I'm working for Rancho Bolago Apartment Homes, that's a luxurious apartment complex in Mornino Valley. It's about hour and a half out of San Diego. And what I've seen personally is people calling for three bedrooms like crazy. They're trying to move out of the housing market and live in a sell their house because they know it's like the best value it's been in a while and then live in an apartment for a year. And then I know a lot of them are hoping that the market's crashing and then they can jump back on by a, pro uh, a property for the same price that they sold their house at that will be bigger and nicer or uh, make that money in the middle and buy a house that or their old house for cheaper. So it's it's a mixture. So I was, I was curious to hear your take of it because I've seen personally be working for an apartment community that three bedrooms, like I, I literally sold one in 15 minutes and it sold itself. People are like, do you have a three bedroom? I'm like, yep, it's at this price, 3,200. And for a three bedroom apartment, that is out crazy expensive, 3,200, but it sold like that. People are like, I'm just going to be using it for a year. And then I'm getting right back on the house market. So like, we'll see if that happens for them. But it, it's very interesting seeing like it firsthand that like the high demand of three, three and two bedrooms and such a short supply. And they're going out like that, like apartment homes, because people are at least in California trying to get off the market, which I find yeah. very interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then how, how do you think your company that you're CEO of is going to adapt to the changes that might possibly have, or just previously how you, how the company's adapted? Yeah. Yeah. What we've really done is we've focused on new developments because while, you know, everything's kind of balancing out, you know, we're creating land value with the expectation that markets will, you know, turn around. We, are actually doing some affordable housing now, which is, you know, always driven because there's such a shortage in housing. Um, we do have a, a mixed use site where we're doing a CVS pharmacy. So, you know, we've moved towards some businesses. You know, we have a bunch of medical offices because, you know, medicine right now is big. Mm -hmm. You know, people need healthcare. Um, there's going to be a lot of mental health going on, you know, coming yeah. out of the pandemic. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we've, we've kind of found a little niche in a unique medical office, um, which is, um, more country style, not, you know, like glass enclosed buildings, trying some retail on the health side. Um, you know, and that's kind of what we're doing now. We're kind of in a little bit of a land bank, I would say situation. Um, you know, I do, you know, we are starting to see deals, but you know, most things are, you know, you got, everybody's trying to write home to mom about the grand slam they just hit. Yeah. And after people are realizing that, you know, they're not going to be able to sell for top dollar and that they have to stop lying about the actual NOI. Yeah. <laughs> no, 
rent, <laughs> you know, then, you know, things will settle out. So we'll see. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then how do you, I'm curious to, especially with your experience, how do you look at potential investments? Yeah. So, you know, I, I, you know, how I don't look at investments is where people are kind of just looking for our money to invest, you know, in somewhere where they increase the value through, you know, some type of entitlement work. So, you know, I usually look at investments where there's a, I guess, a larger upside than normal. You know, a lot of investors come in and figure, you know, if I can get into a deal where I get my 12% and then the developer gets their promote, you know, that keeps me happy. It keeps the developer honest. You know, I like to, um, you know, obviously bring in people with a lot of money where they put up all the money, but I want to make, you know, minimum like 35% or, you know, in some cases when we do entitlement, we actually reverse it where we make the 70%, they make the 30 mm-hmm. It'll give them a higher preferred return, but I'm not sure if I may, I may have went off on a tangent there, but that's, that's how I kind of look at investments. You know, maybe it's a little greedy. I may want to make it a win-win, but I'd like a higher upside so that I can syndicate kind of been governed around that model, bring other investors in, share the wealth, give people the opportunity. You're going to run out of cash eventually. Yeah. <laughs> so we have somebody and, you know, you know, one less thing to worry about. Yeah, absolutely. And as we start to end the podcast episode, final two last questions. Do you have any book? And I know your book, um, Modern Wealth Building Formula is definitely an amazing book, but I didn't know if there was any other books or podcast recommendations you have as well. Yeah. You know, one of the, I read it probably three years ago, but it really had a profound difference you know, and I have a tendency to do it and sometimes, but the book by Gary Keller, The One Thing, was an interesting book for me, where, you know, it really comes down, I use the, the term a lot, you know, when speaking to investors, less is better, which kind of, you know, correlates or synchronizes with the one thing, because what I found myself over the years was I would have a tendency to try to, you know, get into other businesses. So, you know, if I was doing a real estate deal and someone was coming in with a restaurant, I'd be like, hey, let me get in on the restaurant. And then I was trying to buy Stewart's root beer and then I was trying to do something in the car industry. And, you know, I really decided at a certain point is that I need to pick one thing and it has to be real estate. Now, I could create an educational program in real estate or I could coach someone in real estate or I could buy real estate deals, but you got to stick to real estate because it's mm-hmm. hard to, you know, play two different sports like you know michael jordan tried it but he was better in basketball yeah absolutely that that makes sense that's a i haven't heard of that book so so it's uh definitely good to get a recommendation for the one thing books. by gary keller gary keller is the founder of kw keller williams so gotcha. that book is phenomenal yeah i'll definitely give it a i'll check that out and then um final question do you have any final words of wisdom for the audience Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Words of wisdom. So I, what I would say is, you know, there's a very fine line in the world of performance. And it's either action or inaction. So, you know, in, in anything that you want in life, you know, it's, there's, there's, it, it's it, there's no in between. You're either taking action, you're either in action or not in action. 
you know, and all I have to say is that if, you know, if you sit there and, you know, get stuck with analysis paralysis, you know, it's not going to move forward. So, you know, I guess my words of wisdom is, um, you know, just, you know, number one, never give up on your dreams and, and live in a world of performance in action at times. Love that. That that's that's such a big thing that we're taught in entrepreneurship. It's like it's one thing to have a business plan, but it's one thing to just let it sit there and collect dust. And there's one thing to have a business plan and put action to it. It's like the first week of classes in entrepreneurship, they were like action, 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 action. You can't do anything if you just sit there and research all day and don't do anything action-wise. So definitely yeah. love the word action. Um, all right. So with that being said, this was the Relentless College Entrepreneur Podcast. It was an honor to have you here on, Ken. And again, the link to his books, Modern Day Wealth Building Formula, and his website will also be in the podcast um, description. So yeah. check that out. Yeah, KenVanLu.com. And it's KenVanLu.com slash free book. Okay, sweet. I'll put that in there.